Welcome to Big Valley. Welcome over in the venue. Welcome those of you that are online listening on the radio. We're glad you're here. Uh, especially if you're new to Big Valley Grace, your first time here. Man, I'm just really thankful you'd, you'd come. A lot of people want to know, hey, what does Cafe Astoria mean? What, what's, the, what's that name mean and all that? Next week, I'm going to tell you. I'm glad it didn't come back. <laughs> it's actually a Greek word that you find in the scriptures. And I want you to know that we're not building a coffee shop, okay? There's plenty of those. Uh, we're, we're, we're building something unique out there that we believe God's going to use in some, some great ways. And so next week, I'll tell you what Astoria uh, uh, means and where it's found in the scriptures and what we're hoping God will, will do with that space out there. Um, I've discovered something kind of profound about life. Maybe you have also. And that's this, life is, is hard at times. Life is uh, disappointing at times. Life uh, doesn't always cooperate with my, my plans. In fact, my plans rarely turn out the way I planned them. Probably yours also. Things fall apart, things go wrong. People do crummy things to one another. People have done some crummy things to you. People say crummy things to each other. I'm sure you've had people say crummy things to you. Some of you right now are facing some really difficult times, really hard times, tough times. One of the things about all those cards that are turned in is about 98% of them are really about the tough things that are going on in your life or the life of your, your family. Some of you right now are facing some hard times financially. Things are tough. Some of you uh, are single moms, and you're just kind of gutting it out, trying to make it, you know. Got two or three kids, and man, just busting your hump, punching in, punching out, man, just trying to make it. I was, uh, this past week, I was thinking about my own mother. And when I was born, I, I was born big. And I was born hungry. <laughs> uh, and and I, I haven't stopped eating, man, I, I love to eat. And my mom was a single mom, and it wasn't easy to keep food on the table for, for me. And uh, just the image of, um, we had a cabinet that was just filled with a Campbell's soup. We could afford that. And my mom would take the tomato soup, and she'd pour that into a, into a deal, and then she'd go to the sink and you know, put three cups of water into the soup, you know. Um, times were, were at times per, pretty tough, and I know financially times are tough for some of you. Right now, some of you are facing some tough times spiritually. If you were honest, you don't want to be here right now. You don't like reading your Bible anymore. You don't like praying. You don't want to go to men's ministry, women's ministries. You don't want to go to your small group. You, you've just kind of checked out spiritually. You're going through a tough time. Some of you are, are facing some tough times right now in your family. You know, um, for some of you, you're, you're watching your dad just go sideways. Some of you are watching your mom just make some crummy decisions. Your family's falling apart right in front of your, your eyes. Some of you are struggling right now, having tough times in your marriage. Things are hard. In fact, some of you, you're not even living together anymore, right? You're not even sure you're going to be able to make it. Some of you are experiencing some tough times in, in your business. You're not really sure whether you're going to be able to make payroll by the end of this month. You're not sure whether the three employees or the eight employees that you have are, 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 are you know, you're going to be able to keep them. And the bummer is, is that some of them go right here to this church. But you don't know how the end of this month's going to work out. Some of you are experiencing some hard times right now and, you know, as it relates to your health. This past week, you went to a doctor and he... He held up an x-ray and he said, hey, you see that mass right there? That's cancer. Some of, um, some of you are, are looking at some, some uh, surgeries coming up this next week or this next month. Beloved, life can be tough at times. Jesus said this in John chapter 16. 
He said, in this world, you will have troubles. In this world, you, you will have sorrows. That, that's uh, uh, one of the weirdest promises that Jesus ever made. I, can we put that on the, on the screen up there? Do we have that? John uh, 16, 33, we got that? Huh. Beloved, troubles and sorrows and heartache and hard times are, are the, the standard equipment in life. Everybody experiences tough times. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white or you're male or you're female. Nobody's exempt from suffering, nobody. It's one of the things that all of us in this room have in common. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter five. He said, he causes, God causes the sun to rise on good people and on evil people and he sends rain to those who do right and to those who do wrong. Beloved, good people go through tough times and bad people go through tough times. Christians go through tough times and non-Christians go through tough times. In other words, tough times are impartial. Disasters and tragedies and, and hard times happen to all of us. Nobody's immune from them. Nobody's insulated from them. Nobody gets to skate through life without any problems. Now I want you to listen to me very carefully. When you go through a, a trial or a, a problem or some difficulties or tough times or whatever, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It means that you're a person. Just because you experience bad things horrible things. Just because you're going through something tough right now doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're a person. You see, one of the things that the Bible teaches is that God allows the sun to shine on those who are believers and those who aren't. God allows rain to, you know, get us all wet, whether we're Christians or not. And so just because you're experiencing something bad in your life, something hard in your life, doesn't mean that God doesn't love you, or God doesn't care about you, or that you're a bad or evil person. It just means you're a person. And, and let me just say this very quickly, Christian. When you see somebody else who's going through a hard time, when you see somebody else that's having a tough time, don't automatically assume that, oh, they must be living in sin. There must be something evil going on in their life. That's why they're experiencing you know, these tough times. It might be because of that. But it might be simply because that's just life. Things are hard. And it's not for you to make a judgment as to why somebody's experiencing the tough times they're experiencing. It might be because of some sinful thing they chose to, to do with their life. It might be that but you don't know that to be a, a, a fact. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna get real practical. I wanna, I wanna talk about how you as a follower can better handle or, or cope or stand when life gets tough. It's one of the things that God wants from his followers. He wants us as his disciples to be able to stand, cope, handle when life gets tough. And, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you three things that I want you to remember, okay? Number one, remember the, the tough times that you're going through are, are only temporary. They're only temporary. The Bible says this in Romans chapter eight, the, the sufferings we have now are nothing compared to the great glory that will be shown to us. And I want you to know that without a doubt, this gives us one of the most important thoughts of all as it relates to how to deal with pain or sorrow or the things that we go through down here on planet Earth. I, I want you to look at those two words, have now. The troubles that you have now, the troubles that you are, are, are having with your family that you're having now, the troubles that you're having right now with your finances, the troubles that you're having right now as it relates to your marriage or your, or your health or whatever, you have them now, but they're only temporary. They're not gonna last 
forever. The, the pain or the suffering that you have now, even if this problem you have for the rest of your life here on planet Earth, like some physical ailment, is only temporary compared to all of eternity. In other words, if, if you're suffering for, with, with something for 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 years, down here on, on planet Earth, how does that compare to the eons of time in eternity? It doesn't. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, therefore, we don't lose heart. In other words, we're not hopeless. We're still standing. Though outwardly, we're, we're wasting away. Outwardly, I'm watching my body waste away. Because of what took place in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve decided to blow God off and brought sin in, into the world, I'm experiencing the effects of Genesis 3. Uh, I, I'm getting old. My body is wasting away. My eyes don't work as good as they used to. My knees ache. I pull a hammy getting out of bed. I got hair growing in places that it's just not supposed to grow. I can look in a mirror and I can see that my outward body is wasting away. I don't even have to look in a mirror, I can just feel it. In fact, right before I came out here, I walked into these back doors back here and my, my knees were just killing me from standing last night and today. And, this is, and so I ran back in real quick because outwardly I'm wasted away and I took a couple of Tylenol. When I was young, I didn't experience any of that. Paul says, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Inwardly, the Holy Spirit within me is alive and well. I love to read the scriptures. I love to pray. I, I, I love to be involved in the spiritual things that God has for me. And so inside this body that's wasting away is the spirit which is alive and Then he says, for our light and momentary troubles. What were these light and momentary troubles? Well, he was being whipped. He was being beaten. He was being stoned. He was shipwrecked. To Paul, these were light and momentary troubles. They're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Whatever those light and momentary troubles are, God is doing something far greater in them. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I want you to know, beloved, this is critical. This is the perspective that you as a follower of Jesus are to have when life gets tough. That whatever you're facing, that whatever your family's facing are simply light and momentary troubles compared to all of eternity. In other words, for those of us that have surrendered our lives over to Jesus Christ, we know that someday we're going to leave this planet and we're going to spend our eternity with him, which means that whatever it is you're going through right now is only temporary. I don't care whether you got to deal with it for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It doesn't matter. It's temporary compared to all of eternity. Here's the deal. When I'm in pain or, or I'm broken over something, when life gets tough, I'm pretty short-sighted. And probably you are also. In other words, I'm not really thinking about the future because all I can see is the pain and the brokenness that's right in front of me. And what Paul's saying is this. Look, when, when life kidney punches you, when, when, when life gets hard, when there's pain and sorrow in your life, you gotta, you gotta remember and that's why I chose that word and put it in your notes, that whatever it is you're going through is only temporary. You see, when pain hits your life, you, you tend to just think about the here and now. You tend to just think, man, here's what I'm in right now. And when you are in pain, when the sorrows of life have overtaken you, you gotta remember, it's only temporary. There, there, there's a great hope that we all have. And what exactly is that great hope? Well, listen to what Paul said in Titus chapter 2. 
He said, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. And what is the blessed hope? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the great hope that we have, that this isn't it. If, if this was all there was to life, let me tell you something, I wouldn't be here right now. I, I'd just say, man, let's just get up, and go out, eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die, man. Well, why do this? But this isn't it. What we're in right now, believer, is, is temporary. There's coming a moment when we will spend our eternity with the Lord. Hey, look, you know, I, I don't know how much time I got, okay? I, I, I don't. Uh, I, I've often told the Lord, look, man, I'd like to just go right up here. I, when my heart stops to beat, man, it'd be really great if it was up here. And hopefully it would be at 11 o'clock service because if it happened Saturday night or 9, then we got a problem the rest of the services, you know. But if it happened like right now, boom, you know, I hope some of you'd cry. Some of you'd go, praise the Lord, I get to lunch early. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> but I, I hope I just go up here, boom. And in the midst of a, a, a tear or two, uh, I, I need you to remember something. I, I, I'm not here. This body's wasting away. Genesis chapter three doomed my, my body. This is just a headquarters of sin. It doesn't get to go to heaven. It just connects me to the physical. That's all it does. There's, there's coming something far greater than this. I know that when I take my last breath here, my next breath, I'm going to be in the very presence of the Lord. I know that. I know that. And that's what you've got to think about in the midst of the pain and the sorrow and the heartache that comes. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. See, here's the deal. When I take my last breath, I guess my place was finished. And God says, hey, come on. No more pain, no more suffering, no more popping Tylenol, no more, you know, cutting the hair out of your ears. No, no, get rid of the glasses. It's all done. It's all gone. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Now, here's the deal. Like I said, when the pain and sorrow of life hit, you're short-sighted. You, all you can see is that. And that's why you gotta, you got to remember that this isn't it. It's not it. Philippians chapter three says, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies, these bodies that are wasting away, these bodies that were impacted in Genesis chapter three with Adam and Eve's sin so that they will be like his glorious bodies. Jesus isn't popping pills. Jesus isn't cutting hair out of his ears. Jesus isn't doing any of that. His body's different. And someday you're going to have a new body, Christian. See, there have been quite a few times in my life when I've been so bummed out or discouraged that I just wanted to quit. I mean, quit everything. I wanted to quit my job. I wanted to quit parenting. You know, I wanted to quit being a friend. I just wanted to quit everything. And it's during those times that I, I have to work really hard to remember, remember, this isn't it. And when I can get there, when I can remember that no matter what it is I'm going through, it's only temporary. Wow, it, 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 it does something. The thought of heaven gives me incredible hope. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter two, no eye has seen, or 1 Corinthians chapter uh, two, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And I want you to know, I got a vivid imagination. I, I can imagine just unbelievable things. And I have in my mind 
um, my, uh, my imagination of what heaven's going to be like. And it's unbelievable. And God's in heaven going, man, countrymen, that is so lame. You, you have no idea. You keep dreaming, kid. There's going to be a day when I'm going to be there. And whatever it is I'm experiencing, whatever it is you're experiencing, Christian, it's only temporary. You'll be in this incredible place. N- number two, you need to remember that when you go through tough times, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. You need to remember that that's only temporary, but you need to remember that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. Once again in Romans 8, the Bible says in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, in, a, in the times of trouble, pain, sorrow, whatever. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Beloved, have you ever been in a situation where there's so much heartache, so much pain, so much sorrow, life was so tough that you didn't know how to pray? All you could literally do was, was cry. I mean, you were, you were trying to pray. You, you were trying to articulate something to God, but you couldn't. The pain of life was so hard. Well, I want you to know something. The cool thing is, is that God understands when you're there. When you get to the, the point in your life when you're in such pain that you can't pray, when the sorrows of life have taken control of your body and you can't verbalize in a simple prayer any request to God, when life is so tough that you can hardly do anything, God knows. And it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit takes over in a way that we really can't explain. The Holy Spirit begins to pray for us. One scholar said this, quote, the most spiritual prayers, the most powerful prayers are wordless. They're groans that come from the heart. Beloved, I want you to know there have been a few times in in my life when I was totally out of it. When the pain of life was, was unbearable where I was literally in the fetal position. And I I wasn't uh, crying, I was wailing. Um, it, it, It was almost not human what was coming out of me. And one was when my first wife was killed And the second was a few years ago when my mom died. Literally, I was in the fetal position at times, just bawling, crying. And I knew what the Bible said. The Bible says, hey, listen, you know, when you're anxious about life, when stuff's going on, pray, come to me, present your request to me. I know what the Bible says. And I would try, I would literally try to articulate something, but I couldn't get anything to come out, but, you know, sounds. Those were were unbelievably difficult moments in my life. But in the midst of my pain, I remembered the truth of the Word of God. That though I couldn't pray, the Holy Spirit was now interceding for me in a very special way. That the Holy Spirit was now praying for me. Psalms 34 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are are crushed. God wants you to know something about uh, him and you when life gets tough. When the pain and sorrow of life overtake you. He tells you, I'm close. In fact, you're never closer to the Lord than when you're going through tough times. Now, now here's the deal. I know how you feel. 
You, you feel like God's a, a million miles away. You feel like, God, where are you? My family's blowing up. My business is tanking. My, I'm going to die of cancer. Lord, you, where are you? My teenager's gone sideways, has run away from home. You feel like God's a million miles away. But that's why I chose the word remember, because you got to cut through the feelings and remember the truth. And the truth is, is that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. In fact, he's not only close, but he's there to rescue you in the midst of that pain and sorrow that, you, that, that you're in. Psalms 56 says this, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And I just think it's really interesting and cool that God's Holy Spirit fills the psalmist that the psalmist would pin those words. God is trying to give us a, a visual about him and us. He says, I have collected all your, your tears. I know about your sorrow. God has kept a record of every tear that has ever flowed from your eyes. He saw the tears that came when you were a kid and you were being abused. Nobody else saw it, but God did. And not only did he see it, but as those tears were running out of your eyes, there's this imagery that he was collecting them in a special bottle. God saw the tears that came when you were being mistreated. God saw the tears that came when you were hurt and rejected. God saw the tears when, he, when you heard about your spouse's infidelity. You may have thought God had left you. You may have felt like God was far away and why was God allowing this to happen? But he was right there in the midst of your brokenness actually collecting your tears. And more importantly, not only was God collecting your tears, but when the pain was so bad that you couldn't pray, he was praying for you. Listen to what Warren Worsby said. I just thought this was beautiful. He said, quote, God is concerned about the trials of his people. When he was ministering on earth, Jesus groaned when he saw what sin was doing to mankind. Today, the Holy Spirit groans with us and feels the burdens of our weaknesses and sufferings. But the Spirit does more than groan. He prays for us in his groaning so that we might be led into the will of God. Listen. You need to remember that whatever it is you're going through is only temporary. Whatever pain and sorrow you're going through is only temporary. But you also need to remember that when you're in that pain, when you're in that hard, difficult time, the Holy Spirit's praying for you. And number three, you need to remember that when you're going through a, a tough time, God is at work. Romans says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. This is one of the great promises or truths in all of the scripture. The, the world famous R.A. Torrey, who was an evangelist, called this verse, quote, the soft pillow for a heavy heart. I thought that was really good. Now I want you to look at those, those first three words, okay? And... We know, I want you to underline that or circle it in your notes or whatever. And we know. It doesn't say, and we wish. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, and we want. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, well, and I, and I guess. No, it doesn't say that. It says, and we know. We know. We know it. And this means an absolute, unshakable confidence. Beloved, when life gets tough, one of the ways you'll make it through in a way that honors God. Now, here's the deal. You'll all make it through. 
But some of you will make it through in a way that honors God. And that's what God wants from his disciples. God wants his followers to make it through the tough times of life, the difficult times in, in life, in a way that, that honors him. And one of the ways you do that is going to be because of what you know. Because what you know determines the, the perspective that you're going to have when you're going through that tough time. Have you ever noticed that two people can have the same problem, like a death in the family or whatever, and one grows through the problem and the other's de destroyed by it? I see that happen all the time. What's the difference? The difference is, is what you know. This is why we give you, you know, notes each week to, in, the, in the program because we believe that they'll help you follow along with the message and they'll help you better understand what's being taught and they'll help you better remember what you've learned because what you know matters. What you know makes a difference. And what we know is this. What we know is that in all things, God's at work. God doesn't take bad things and make them good things. But we know that God is able to take the bad things and somehow use them for his glory. He uses the bad things to help mold us and shape us into the men and women of God that he wants us to be. The husbands and the wives that God wants us to be. Now, now what exactly does, does all things include? Does it include your financial problems? Yes. Does it include your health problems? You know, situations? Yes. Does it include relationship problems? Yes. Beloved, all things includes all things. God can even take the sinful things you do. You make a choice to sin against God, he can take that and turn it into something unbelievable. How many of you have ever read the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1? Probably some of you. Now, usually in, a, in, in Jewish genealogies, you never mention women. Only men were mentioned. But here, it's, it's interesting that in, in Jesus' genealogy, four women are mentioned in Matthew chapter 1. The first woman you find in verse 3, and it's a lady by the name of Tamar. And in Genesis chapter 38, Tamar basically seduces her father-in-law, and that's where her kids came from. And let me ask you, was that a good thing? No. Was it a sinful thing? Yes. Did God use it for his glory? Yes. The second woman was a gal by the name of Rahab in verse 5, and she was a prostitute. She was a harlot. The third woman in verse 5 also is a, is a gal by the name of Ruth. She was a Moabite woman who married a Jewish man, which was against the law. It was against the law for a Jew to marry someone outside their race. And yet here's Rahab in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Again, can God bring something good out of bad? Absolutely. And the fourth woman that's mentioned was Bathsheba in verse 6. So here you got these four women, a, a lady who seduces her father-in-law, a prostitute, a Moabite woman who breaks the law to marry a Jew, and a lady who commits adultery. And they're all mentioned in the very lineage of the Messiah. Now, were those things all bad that those women were involved in? Yes. Did God use them? Yes, because God is bigger and mightier and stronger than whatever it is you're going through. Even if you cause it yourself, even if it's some sinful, dumb thing that you've brought on yourself. Now, I want you to know it's not a license. Oh, well, in that case, I'll just go out and do whatever I want. Because God will, God will use it for good. That's not the point here. point is, is that God can take anything, even the pain and the sorrow and the suffering that you're in right now, and he can use it for his glory. We have a gal uh, on Saturday nights, serves right back there, her name, is, her name is Chrissy Aguirre, and she's actually stood right up here on this platform and shared her testimony of uh, the fact that she had had an abortion, which is a bad thing. Uh, that's not a good thing. And yet God has used that in some incredible ways in her life to make a huge impact for the kingdom. She's now the, the head uh, or the president or whatever she is of uh, the Manesso Pregnancy Center. And God's using her. What she did was, was wrong. 
But God has taken that thing and is using it now in some unbelievable ways in, in some people's lives. So you need to remember the, the tough times you face are only temporary. The Holy Spirit is praying for you when you're going through tough times. And God has a reason behind everything that happens to you. He's at work in, in your life. Now, now what I want to do is I quickly want to give you two things I want you to do. Okay? And, and I want you to remember these three things. And by the way, there's lots of things to remember. It's not a comprehensive list. I just gave you three. And I want to give you two things you actually need to do when you're going through a difficult time. And the first one is this. You need to share with God exactly how you feel. Um, one of the most interesting characters in all of Scripture has to be Job. Most of you know who Job is. Even those of you who don't really believe in God or you never read the Bible, you know who Job is. And in Job chapter 1 and 2, uh, Job has um, a bad day. <laughs> um, first, he, he loses all of his animals, which was basically his business. It was his income. They were all slaughtered. Then, then he loses all of his workers. They were all killed, his farmhands and his, you know, the shepherds. Then he finally loses his family. His children were all killed. And it's after he finds out that his kids were all killed that he picks himself up off the floor. And it says this in Job chapter 1. Job stood up and he tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and he fell on the ground to worship. Beloved, let me, let me tell you what Job's doing here. In my opinion, he's venting. He's getting it all out. He hears about, you know, his business tanking, all of his animals, his sheep, goats, you know, they're all dead. Then he hears about all of his, you know, workers that I'm sure he was friends with, they're all dead. And when he finally hears about his family, you know, it's he tears his robe, shaves his head. He's physically expressing something to God. His grief. Beloved, anytime you go through a major loss in life or a major disappointment or whatever, you're going to experience emotions. You're going to. First, anger. Why is this happening to me? Grief. What have I lost? Shock. What do I do now? I can't believe this is happening. Fear. What's going to happen next? And when you have these four things, anger, grief, shock, and fear, what are you supposed to do with those? those emotions. What do you do with them? I'll tell you what a lot of people do is they, they, they just suppress them. I'm not, you know, these grin and bear it. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not, and you just keep it inside. And let me tell you, one of three things will usually happen when you do that. Uh, the, the first one is um, your body will let you know you get ulcers, headaches, your back gets all tweaked, stressed, you make a huge investment in Tums. <laughs> right? Or you vomit on those around you like your spouse or your kids. It all comes out on them. Or Somewhere down the road, you pick up a destructive habit, like, like you start drinking, or you start having sex, or you have some sort of affair, or whatever. God never wanted you to suppress it. He never wanted you to suppress it either. What he wants you to do is confess it. He wants you just to go to him and share with him Here's what's going on in my life. Here's what's happening in my life. Look, if you don't go and talk with God about all the emotion of what's happening, you're never, you're never gonna stand in a way that honors the Lord. You're just not going to. In Mark chapter four, Jesus has his guys in a, in a boat and a huge storm comes up and it, and it says this in chapter four, Mark chapter four, he says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. 
So they took Jesus in a boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High winds were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up, it says. And it doesn't say that they walked over and went, They didn't, hey, Messiah, Messiah, can you, can you, can you wake up? Okay. Doesn't say that. Here's what it says. They shouted, don't you care? Teacher, don't you care? They were freaked out. They thought they were dying. Troubles had hit their lives. And they didn't, you know, hey, let's just keep it to ourselves, guys. Let's not mess with the Messiah right now. He's snoring. He's in a good one right now. Just leave him alone. No way. They ran over and were shouting, Don't you care? Don't you care? And Jesus didn't get up and go, How dare you? Ask whether I care or not. Don't you know that I'm the Messiah? I'm the king of the world. Don't you ever express your emotions to me. He didn't do that. That's not the Jesus that's revealed in the scriptures. He didn't do that. And he won't do that with you either. These disciples were simply being honest with Jesus. They're, they're honestly sharing their feelings with Jesus. Don't, don't you care? Which, by the way, this tends to be the typical response of people when they go through tough times, right? Don't, 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 isn't that what we all do? Something happens in our lives, and the first thing we do is, God, don't, don't you care? Don't you care about what's happening in my business? Don't you care what's happening you know, in my life? Don't you care? Don't you care about... You know what's going on in my family? Don't you care about my teenager? Don't you care about my finances? Don't you care about my cancer? This little moment on this boat is just a little vignette of all of our lives at times. And I want you to know the answer is of course God cares. He cares deeply about what's happening in your life. He cares more than, than you'll ever know. The Bible says in 1 Peter, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares about you. He cares. Look, this may come to a, as a surprise to some of you, but God can handle your anger. <laughs> His shoulders are big enough. God can handle your frustrations. God can handle your emotions. Job said this in Job chapter 7. This is just classic. No! I can't be quiet! I'm angry and bitter and I've got to speak! <laughs> in other words, if I don't speak, man, I'm going to blow a gasket. And I think God would rather have you as his child blow a gasket with him than on your spouse or your children, or your parents. He gets it. He understands. He created you. Let me tell you something. I think this is one of the reasons why Job never walked away from God. I think it's because he was just honest with God. He went and he just shared his feelings, his thoughts, his emotions with God. Look, when times are tough, God doesn't want you to grin and, and bear it. Or like some Christians do, you know, the doctor goes, hey look, you got cancer, you're gonna die in a week. Oh, praise the Lord! You ever notice people like that? They're so fake. They're just fake. God, God doesn't want his people to be fake. 
He wants us to be honest, genuine with him. He, he knows what's in here. I know some believers that at times are so pious, it's kind of freaky. Now, I think God can get you to that point. But the reality is, man, when tough times come, and man, troubles come and sorrows come, you know what? Most of us are probably like the disciples. Don't you care? It's okay. Go to God. Speak with him. Lamentations chapter 2 says, Rise during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to him in prayer, pleading for your, your children. When was the last time you cried out to God like, like that? When was the last time you poured out your heart like water to God? When was the last time you pleaded with God for your children or for your marriage or for your business or for some health you know, situation? When was the last time you pleaded with God for some unsaved friend of yours? An unsaved coworker? And, and number two, the second thing I want you to do is this. Not only do you need to share with God what's going on in your life, another word might have been pray, pray but is this. Number two, you need to seek help from godly friends, and the key word there is godly friends. You need, you need, to, you need to go talk with some godly friends. Godly friends. Everybody's got friends out there. But, the, but you need to find some godly friends. You need to talk to, you know, uh, godly elders, godly pastors. In Job chapter 6, it says, They say a person's friend should be kind to him when he's in trouble, even if he stops fearing the Lord. One version says, When desperate people give up on God Almighty, their friends at least should stick with them. Now, Job's friends weren't much help, to say the least, but the principle is true. When things go haywire in your life, you need to have some godly friends that will walk with you through it. Even when the pain and the sorrow is so bad that your friend wants to walk away from God. I don't even believe God anymore. The same. A good friend, a godly friend will walk with you through it. Even when you say, I don't want to follow God anymore. I'm so mad at God. A good friend, a godly friend is going to say, no, 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 I, I got you. I'm going to believe for you for a while here. I'm, going to, I'm just going to walk with you. Because I know what's going to happen. Right now, you're forgetting some stuff, but I, 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 you're going to remember some things, and guess what? You'll come back around. You'll come back around. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, so encourage each other and give each other strength. Don't we need that? I need to be encouraged. You need to be encouraged. And we need at times to give each other some strength. Galatians chapter 6 says, share each other's burdens. And thus obey the law of Christ. One of the things God calls us to do is to bear each other's burdens, help each other out. And look, um, if you're having marriage troubles or you're having financial troubles or they found a mass somewhere on your body, you got cancer, obviously there's a part of that burden that a friend can't, um, can't take. There's a part of that burden I can't take. But there's a part of it I can take. And one of the great things that a friend can do, how we can all help bear each other's burdens is by praying for each other. It might be the greatest way we bear each other's burdens. It's just by saying, hey, would you pray for me? Would you pray for my spouse? Would you pray for my parents? Would you pray for my teenager? Would you pray for my business? It's one of the reasons why we have the altar room. We have the altar room online. And uh, one of our elders, Pat Chavez, is sitting right over there, and he gets all those things and distributes them amongst all the pastors and the elders of the church. It's one of the ways that we can fulfill the law of Christ is by praying for you, maybe sharing with you some, some wisdom or whatever, which is what I want to do right now. We, we've ended all of our gatherings this way, and they've just been unbelievable. Here, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask Tim, come on in, and Rose. And uh, our elders and pastors are going to be standing up here, and I don't want anybody going anywhere. Okay, we got, we got some time here. We're only going to take a few minutes. 
But um, if you're out here and you, you, you're, you're in pain, you're in some tough times, maybe it's your business, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your parents, maybe, I don't know what it is, I don't know, I don't know. And it's not important that I know, I, I can't fix anybody, but I can pray to the one who can give you peace, who can fix it. And our elders and pastors are just gonna be right up here. In fact, I'm gonna ask you to come right now. Pastors, elders, just come on up here. We're gonna be lined up up here, and we're gonna ask you to come. And it's not a counseling appointment, you know. We're not gonna ask you what's going on in your life. We're just simply gonna lay hands on you, your spouse, whatever, and we're gonna pray. Just pray God's peace, God's comfort in your life during this, this difficult time. It's how we will actually do what the Bible says. This is how we're going to help bear this burden in, in your life. And if you've got nothing going on and you just want to stay out there and, 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 and just pray, do it. Pray for those that are coming forward. Maybe this would be the moment for you to just share with God some of the stuff that's going on in your life. Maybe that's what you, you just need, need to do. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to sing this, this song together. And I just want you to come and just find one of these souls here and I'll move some people around. Dan, why don't you make your way over here, okay? Come on over here. And we're just going to pray for you. You head back to your seats, and, and it's only going to take five, six minutes. That's it. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word and the truth that's contained within it. And Lord, I just know there are people here, and they're hurting. And I don't know what it is. I don't know, and I don't care, Lord. You know. And we're here just to pray. I pray, Lord, that many would take advantage of this moment and they would just come forward, just sit in, the, in their chairs and just spend some time with you, sharing with you whatever's going on in their lives, Lord. And I believe, God, that as people come forward in faith, believing, maybe a miracle would happen even during this time of prayer. I, I, I just believe it can happen, God. So thanks, God. Blessed be your name, Lord. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.